You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey guys, Sterling here. Just wanted to drop in real quick and let you guys know that we're breaking up today's interview into two parts. We usually try and keep our episodes between 30 and 45 minutes to respect our listeners' time, but our interview today with Albert Pelichet was so good with such valuable content uh, that was very educating and motivating that I couldn't really bring myself to edit any of it out. So we're breaking it up into two parts. So our episode today is part one with Albert Pelichet's interview. Be sure to tune into our next episode to hear the other half of the interview. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm here with a special guest today, Albert Pelichet. Albert, welcome to the show. All right, Sterling. Appreciate the opportunity. So, Albert, the first thing that we typically do on this show is we ask, why why should we listen to you? And that just basically gives our guests a, an opportunity to give a brief overview of kind of what they've accomplished in the real estate investing realm, like how many units you have or how much income you have coming in from the units. Just kind of give a, you know, just off the top, you know, what, what, what your general accomplishments are. Well, in a probably about a six or an eight year period starting in 2000, uh, I took a $30,000 home equity line of credit. That was the only money I started with. And in that six year period, I ended up with uh, 68 units, apartment units, mostly multifamily. Uh, a little few, few years after that, I ended up with 32 salon units in a salon mall. Uh, and then I was able to parlay that also into a block of commercial property along Government Street here in, in Baton Rouge. So when I look back, you know, basically building up probably about eight million dollars worth of assets, starting with just a thirty thousand dollar line of credit. You know, I'm often just amazed at myself <laughs> that I was able to do it. You know, just wow, and that that is absolutely amazing. I wanna I wanna back up a little bit because I. I Obviously, there's a there's a lot there, and I'd love to unpack it all. So, can you kind of dive into maybe a little more detail on that story? Where you started, kind of start from the beginning. How you got interested in real estate investing? How the how you got that first deal? If you could go into the mechanics of it, and and then just kind of go from there a little bit. Yeah, sure. So uh, I was always an entrepreneur. Uh, I was the kid who mowed lawns and shoveled dirt. Uh, I was even the first uh, guy who was willing to babysit back when I was a teenager. Uh, most of it was a girl's job, but you know, you got back in the uh, '70s, it was two dollars an hour, and everything you could eat out out of the uh, client's refrigerator, <laughs> and all you had to do was put a sleeping baby to bed, and you know, watch cable TV until they came home. Nice. So, I'm gonna call you on that sometime. Yeah. So I just had an entrepreneurial, uh, I don't know, just, I just thought like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did get side railed actually in college. I bought into the whole college brainwashing, get a job thing, and I was attempting yeah, yeah. to become an electrical engineer. And uh, my counselor the first year said, uh, hey, you don't really fit the profile for a guy who makes it in engineering. And I'm like, I'm going to show you. you know? Oh, wow. And, and I really stayed in it and after it way too long just to prove something to this guy who he didn't even know me you know, <laughs> from Adam. But two years or so into school, my, uh, one of my high school friends said, you know what I miss about you? 
He said, you used to do all these crazy businesses when you were in high school. And I said, wow, you know, I really had forgotten that. I had so bought into the system. Uh, and I said, I miss that about myself. So I ended up starting a college publishing business, selling advertising and printing the student coupon books at LSU. This was pre-Facebook, I assume. Yeah, so anyway. you know, pre-cell phones, really. Uh, and so I uh, hustled advertisements, and I started doing them at the University of Louisiana and uh, Southeastern and Hammond, and I had this you know, nice little empire going. And so when it was time to graduate a few years later, I was probably making twenty-five to 30000 a year on average. Oh, wow. But I only had to work a few months before each semester. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even interview or anything. I just said, you know, I'm just going to work for myself. And uh, I really just like uh, the leisure of it. You know, uh, now they, um, you know, some people talk about just as having a leisure business. I didn't really realize that was a thing. You know, a lifestyle entrepreneur. I know that word wasn't even coined back then right. yet. But that's essentially what I was without realizing was a lifestyle entrepreneur. And uh, I would work about four months a year and goof off for eight and uh, I did that through my mid-30s. And, it, you know, I wasn't living extravagantly, but it Sounds was... like the four-hour work week before yeah. Tim Ferriss read you know, it. I, when I read that book, I thought, I've lived my life like this. I didn't... I always wish that I would have written the book first. I didn't know anybody else wanted, wanted to do that. However, I was married, and my wife had a, our oldest daughter uh, in, in 1998. And I realized, okay... I'm going to need to make more money. You know, I'm sure. not going to be able to raise a family on thirty grand. And I, I was always interested in real estate because I realized later I, my my degree at LSU was a, a bachelor's in finance with um, you know kind of like a real estate minor essentially. Sure. And I uh, I do remember for some of the guys that might be older in the mid '80s there was the savings and loan crash. And uh, one of my college buddies and I, we would go to the uh, the auctions, the courthouse. No, they were. I forgot what they called them. It was the it was like the bailout people who were doing that, and they were they would auction off these big giant multifamily properties for like five thousand a door. Oh wow! You know, you could you could buy a hundred units for. Yeah. Five hundred thousand. Now we didn't have any money, and neither did anyone else. We couldn't borrow <laughs> money then because you know the banking crisis was there, but but the interest was there. So my friend and I, we would we would each raise our hand at the auction. I think he had five grand, I had five grand, and we would bid on everything up to ten thousand. And you know we we never got a single <laughs> piece of property, but we knew you know right. why if we only had money, yeah. uh, we could really make something out of this. So so the interest was always there. But, you know, when you're starting out, you wonder, well, how am I going to pull this off? You know, where am I going to get my down payment money? Mm-hmm. If you don't have money to start with, it, it, it is tough to, to try to create money. So fortunately, you know, in, in 98, uh, well, really a few years before that, uh, even on the low south, you know, amount of money I was making, mm-hmm. I, I became a, a very serious saver. Uh, because I wanted, I knew being self-employed, it was going to be tough to purchase my own home. Sure. And I knew I was going to need a real down payment. So for five years, I saved five hundred bucks a month. I just put it in the savings account. I didn't touch it in, under any emergency or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And that added up, you know, to 
in thirty thousand dollars. You know, I think I think really I ended up having about thirty eight thousand dollars in cash when I when I bought my my first home, my own residence in mm-hmm. in, in ninety eight. At the time, I was uh, thirty four years old. So I'm thirty four years old. I bring a a real down payment. You know, I bought a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. Put the thirty grand down on it, and then you know I'm tapped out again. Right. <laughs> so my little girls. I'm strolling her around the neighborhood. It's it's uh, you know 1999, and uh, I'm thinking about real estate. Uh, I got you know the inspiration from doing a Tony Robbins 30 day tape course, Personal Power too. So I know oh, you're. Nice. We talked a little bit before this this uh, podcast started about you know the, I think we're both Tony Robbins. Oh, absolutely. Fans. I plan on going to one of his events this year. Yeah. You, you know, really, what had inspired that action was. You know, here I am, right? I'm in my mid-30s, and I'm not making very much. And I, I had been hustling, you know, the, the advertisement mm-hmm. at that point for 15 years. And I, I thought to myself, man, if I wake up and I'm 50 years old, and all I'm doing is still, still selling advertisement, I know I'm going to be really disappointed in myself. Mm-hmm. And I want to do something else. And, but I didn't know what it was. Now, fortunately for me, my wife, she was a flea market antique Mm -hmm. And I would just tag along behind her. So I'm in this Jefferson flea market in New Orleans and I didn't collect anything, but I noticed a Tony Robbins cassette course. I remember when these things were on TV for, (laughs) you know, $300 and I never bought one. For two reasons. One, I I didn't really have $300. And two, I knew if I got it, I I wouldn't listen to it. Or even if I didn't listen to it, I, I wouldn't do the homework. Yeah. But in this case, 12 bucks and say, well, if, you know, I buy it and it sits on the shelf at home, I've only wasted 12 bucks. But I took that tape course home and, and I, I did start listening to it. And I kind of vowed to myself, I'm going to listen to all 30 days because I really it was thinking ahead that I did not want to be 50 years old and still doing what I was doing. And I get to the third tape, and if you've ever listened to a Tony Robbins, he, he talks directly to oh, me. Yeah. You know? So I put the third tape in, and he goes, Wow, I can't believe you made it to the third <laughs> tape. You know, how, you know how few people make it to the third tape? And here was the beauty. The third tape was still in its original cellophane. So the guy that, that you bought the guy it from, you bought never it. Made he did the same it. thing. He bought it on the uh, you know television. He listened to the first two. I guess <laughs> you know he started giving you homework assignments. He probably realized he wasn't it. Okay, I felt so special. I'm like, wow, I, you know, I am not an ordinary man here. I made it to the third tape. So I doubled down on the commitment to listen to the to, to all thirty days. And uh, the little exercise in there that really, uh, you know, spawned the, the real mm-hmm. estate business was, he said, if you had 10 lifetimes to live, what would you do with them? And don't put any kind of sealant on your creativity, you know, and just assuming you had 10 lifetimes, what, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I wrote the 10 things down because I was committed to doing the homework in that course. And one of them was real estate. And... Uh, once you wrote, you know, other things were being a movie director, owning a restaurant, all kinds of, you know, crazy dreams I had. But the, at the end of that exercise, he said, okay, now go back and look through the list of 10 things. And is there anything you can take action on right this moment? Not tomorrow, but right this moment. And I looked and I said, well, uh, I could 
you know, get a real estate license. Yeah. You know, and I could call the Burke Baker School of Real Estate, you know, right now. Mm-hmm. And that's something I could do. So that was the first action I took. And I called them and they said, hey, uh, you studied real estate in college? If you send us your cr- transcript, you know, we'll give you credit for the courses you took. I said, you know, I had never seen my transcript because I didn't yeah. ever interview for a job. I was kind of curious. It, at that point, you know, what, what are we, uh, like 18 years <laughs> you know, after? No, it's not that long, but uh, say 16 years, uh, 15 years after I graduated, I had never seen my, my transcript. So, but I was in action. That's the bottom line. I was in action. And that's yeah. usually the, what separates the men from the boys. You know, Absolutely. Some people dream and, and some people take action. And look, let me just tell you that I'm not always a man of action. But on the occasions when I do kick in the gear, uh, it always pays off. And I always look back as it being some sort of a turning point, you know, in, in, in the whole game. So I decide, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I end up abandoning the plan to get my real estate license after. Now, why did you do that? Because that's something that comes up a lot on like the bigger pockets forums and stuff. People, should I get my license? Should I not? Is it going to help with my investing? Some people say it hurts. What was your reasoning there? So I was, I was starting already, even though I hadn't done much, I was starting to look through the classified ads in the investment property section and also going to open houses on the weekend and just seeing what was out there. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a fourplex. I don't remember if it had a four rent sign, but I called the owner. And it turned out he was a realtor and an owner. And he's, I told him what I was up to. And he said, hey, let me just give you a piece of advice. He goes... When you're a realtor and you're trying to buy a piece of property, you do have to divulge that as part of their, you know, code of ethics. Mm-hmm. He says, and there's nothing wrong with that other than sellers sometimes get a little spooked. Like, why does a real estate um, uh, agent want to buy my property? He said, they usually get that notion that you know something that they don't and that it's probably worth more right. than, you, than you're willing to pay. And he, he said, it, it spooks them. And he recommended that uh, instead I use the approach of when you're trying to buy something, you, you just kind of give them a story along the lines, hey, I'm just a young guy trying to get some investments for my family and just come as a, as a regular Joe. Got it. And, and I took his advice. Um, God, I wish I could think of his name right off the bat because, uh, odd coincidence, I just ran into this guy about uh, nine or ten months ago through uh, he bought a piece of property behind one of, one of mine and I remembered him and I said you know you you really changed my life 20 years ago oh wow <laughs> uh, yeah he, he ended up being like an investment property neighbor <laughs> and I told him the story and I don't think he even remembered it really <laughs> but but yeah it changed the course of, of my approach yeah so I, I, I blew off the the real estate license and I, I used his approach I just started looking for properties to buy. Now, the first uh, thing was was to become familiar with a market. And, and by doing all those open houses and going through the investment section. Uh, and what were you looking at primarily at that time? What kind of open houses were you A lot of them were just single family houses for sale by a realtor. You know? okay. I was really just looking to see what are things selling for? How much do they end up going for? Is this something I might be interested in? And, and, and getting a feel for the market 
uh, and I had decided I was going to stay within a three-mile radius of my own home so that if I bought something, I'd be able to easily manage it myself. And and my plan actually was not to go into this for a living. Uh, My initial plan was if I could buy 10 units that rented for 600 bucks a month and over the next 30 years pay them off, even making no cash flow, then that would be my retirement. That would be six grand a month, you know, for the rest of my life. That's where I started as well. It escalates quickly. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I was predicting Social Security would be gone by now, you know, and I was going to create my own Social Security. So anyway, I have this in mind. Uh, I had my home equity line of credit in place. I probably looked at 50 properties and nothing was quite right. Um, Mm. uh, Either... The, the repairs were a little bit over my head, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd have realtors say, oh, well, you can just move this wall here, move that wall there. And I'm, I'm looking up saying, yeah, I, I'm not getting into that. You know, I don't know how to move walls and make this place more functional, and I, and I would walk out. But one day, I'm, I'm strolling my two-year-old daughter. It was, um, it was 1999. Uh, I had listened to the Tony Robbins tape course uh, in March of that year, and mm-hmm. I had been looking that whole year. I'm strolling her down my own street, and I get to the end of the block. It's in the Garden District in Baton Rouge, and I see a duplex for sale, and the owner is out there working on it. And it was in pretty rough shape, actually. Mm-hmm. And the guy worked at one of the local plants, and on Saturdays or whatever, he would come out and do all the work. But let me tell you what kind of condition it was in. The window framing from the outside was missing, so you could see the window unit, and you could see like a little gap into the apartment that, you know, the two inch space between yeah. the wall and the window frame. When I stepped into the, the hallway, it was paneled, but um, the paneling was just completely eaten by termites. You know, it was just yeah. almost falling apart. And the guy had a for sale by owner and, um, and it had been for sale for two years. And it was in such bad shape, you know, nobody really wanted to take it on because I really see that you have two types of property investors. I'm sure there's more, but at the time, what I sort of realized was there's people who just want pretty property. They mm-hmm. just want to buy it, and it's already up and yeah. running. Maybe they want Turn to slap key. a paint on it. And then there's guys who are willing to really get in and, and dig into it, but those guys want it dirt cheap because right. they're going to do all the work. Mm-hmm. And, and for some reason, they all passed on this one. So I said, well, how much do you want for it? Now, remember the year, you know, so just to adjust your price... He said 40000 for a duplex. And I think he was renting those units for about 300 a month. So I went home and I was like, 40000 One of my mentors had said, Albert, you can study this business to death, but you're really not going to learn it until you buy your first piece. Right. Uh, and so all the books you read, you know, it's just not going to teach you the same thing as doing a deal. Sure. I said, well, forty grand. You know, even if it turns out to be a total disaster, I'm not really going to lose that much. And uh, I think I figured the note on that uh, with a 30-year mortgage was, I don't know, maybe $199 a month. Uh, And so I called, I did call my realtor and um, I said, Vicky, I'm thinking about buying this. What do you think? And she drove by and it so happened that the guy had the, duplex next door for sale also Mm -hmm. it was in much better shape 
and he wanted 80000 for that. And she called me and she says, I think it's a good deal, but I really want you to consider buying both. And I was like, oh, man, you know, it's just a whole different story. Now we're talking about 120. And she says, the reason being is that if you buy the one and somebody buys the one next door and they're not a good operator, it's going to affect your ability to rent your units. But if you buy both, everything on the street was uh, owner-occupied. Mm-hmm. Just a, a you know single family house. It's a pretty nice neighborhood. Really. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. my neighborhood. Sure. Uh, and so I took her advice. I said, "Okay, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, I'm gonna shoot for both." So you used your HELOC for the down payment, yeah. and then financed the rest. Yeah. So so look, twenty uh, percent was um, twenty four thousand plus some closing costs. So I pretty much spent the whole thirty, you know, getting those two properties. Uh, you know, twenty percent. Then I had a, I had an eighty percent, thirty year fixed mortgage, on mm-hmm. on the balance of the loan. Now they did need a little bit of rehab, uh, and the the bank that I used uh, also let me uh, fifteen. I think I ended up borrowing twenty thousand more to to do some repairs. Now, can you still? Do you know? Can you still do that today, or or did two thousand eight? Calls, calls us to kind of retract on the, the lending practices. Well, it definitely did retract on the lending practices, but um, I, I did take uh, somebody along the way, maybe this was something I read, said, if you find a deal that makes sense, you can always find the money. Right. If the deal doesn't make sense, sometimes it's hard to find the money. And, right. you, and, you're, and you're thinking, oh, man, I really wish I, I, they should lend this to me. And I've often found whenever I was actually turned down for a loan. You ended up being glad. You know, later on, I I probably dodged a bullet. Right. But in that time, um, so to answer your question, I don't know how much it's changed because I haven't tried to do it that way Mm. lately. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, these weren't big dollars, really, we we were talking about. You know, I had... um, So what ended up happening was... Like I said, those two units, the guy was renting them for 300 each, roughly. And I think the nicer one next door, if memory serves, maybe he was renting them for, I want to say 400 450 for the mm-hmm. nicer units next door. What ended up happening was, uh, you know, the one that had all the termite damage, I just went in, uh, ripped out all the paneling, repaired the termite damage, we sheetrocked what needed to be done. I fixed those windows and mm-hmm. got the outside looking nice, painted it. You know, not that much, kind of a sugar coat, really, but it looked a lot better. Sure. And I was able to rent those units for maybe $500. So the ones for $300 went to $500, oh, and, nice. and the ones he was getting $454, I think I was able to bump them to $650. When all was said and done after my two mortgage payments, uh, I had a, almost a thousand a month in free cash flow oh, wow. from those units, and that was a big boost to a guy who's making twenty five or thirty grand. Yeah. I mean, that actually was a life changer, lifestyle yeah. changer, one hundred and fifty percent. Yeah, making yeah. A, making an extra thousand a month. So, I guess that's when it started to say like, hmm, 
Yeah. Maybe there's more to this than than, than just a retirement. retirement. And remember now in my in my publishing business, I really only worked about four months a year, two months before every semester mm-hmm. to sell all the ads for the for the campus publications. And then I would coast for four months, mm-hmm. you know, till I had this next selling period. So I had plenty of time to look for property and um and in the beginning I was in there doing the work until I realized that uh, the money I'm saving by doing the work myself, uh, I'm losing rent by extending the time that right. it takes to get these units ready. So I learned yeah. that lesson pretty quick. I'm in there thinking, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, it's going to take me three months right. uh, to, to, to fix all this. So I quickly called in help and just started, you know, knocking them out right. and, and just paying what it took to get them ready and, and get it rented. Sure. So that's when I, I said, "All right, let's let's get serious. Let's get out there and you know see see what's see what's available." So where what happened next? Because you're tapped out again at this point. Yeah, I'm tapped out, you know. And but I'm thinking, I just you know boosted my <laughs> income fifty percent. Surely there's something here for me. Yeah. Uh, so I had my graphic designer lived around the corner in a fourplex, and um, you know now. I'm, with everyone I'm talking about real estate. Sure, and, sure. And, and so the young graphic design guy, he goes, yeah, I'm going to buy this building I'm in. And I looked at it and I was, I was so envious of him. I said, <laughs> oh man, I would love to own this building. It was built in the 40s. It was right around the corner from the house, you know, wood mm-hmm. floors. Uh, it was just cool, you know, stucco, kind of vintage looking yeah. uh, classic building. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to step on the guy's toes or anything, but uh, I was jealous and envious. So a few months go by, three, two, three months, and I would ask him, hey, how's that deal going, you know? Part out of curiosity and part, you know, trying to... Hoping he dropped the ball. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I figured it was going to go through from hating the guy. But uh, he ended up saying, oh, no, yeah, I changed my mind on that. I'm not, uh, I decided not to buy it. So I said, well... Would you mind if I contacted the owner? And he said, no, no, that's fine. You know, I don't know if you regretted telling me that. <laughs> but, but he, he gives me his landlord's name, his, gave me a lady's name, and he gave me a phone number. And went home and called and no answer. It's like, man, she, she never answered the phone, you know. So about a week later, try it again. Same thing, no answer. Another week goes by, call. No one ever answered the phone. <laughs> About three weeks in, a little old lady answers the phone, and I was like, oh, finally. And I said, hey, my name is Albert Pelachet, and um, blah, 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 give her my spiel. I'm looking for investment property. And, and she says, oh, this belonged to my sister, and she passed away. And uh, me and my other sister, we came up here to just liquidate her property. And it turns out they were from New Orleans, and I was originally from New Orleans. And I was the first person to call them. Like, they hadn't even done anything yet because mm-hmm. they had just come to town to, to, to take on this monumental task, what it, what it turned out to be. So I got myself an invitation over to, you know, the deceased sister's house, and I get over there, and they said, yeah, here's the list of properties. They had, they had 27 properties for sale. Oh, wow. This lady had owned them for decades. And, I mean, this is the first thing I stumble on, right? And I'm looking, thinking, oh, my God, this is incredible. You know, just I wanted it 
all or half of it or whatever. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that. You know, like I said, I'm tapped out. All my my investment capital is gone. You know, think about that. You know, it took me six years to save up down payment on my house. I borrowed it back again. I'm ready to go and I'm, I'm tapped out of capital. But anyway, I took the list. Um, we really hit it off, and uh, I will say that's an important tip, is uh, people do like to sell to people they like. Yeah. And and I have gotten deals over other people just because they like you better. Yeah. Uh, and um, so I'm always nice and polite and everything. So they said, Albert, take the list. We'll give you first choice on whatever you want, you know, and, and we're not going to... We're not going to tell anybody else about mm-hmm. it, you know. Now, they weren't giving me a whole lot of time, but they were at least, you know. So, I hit the street and drove around and started looking every, at everything. So, they had a couple of fourplexes on this one street um, and probably about three duplexes on that same street. And it was all right around the corner from the house. I really wanted all of those, you know, probably those five buildings. But I really wanted the fourplexes. And so... Um, I called my bank and I, you know, hey, you know, you, you're, <laughs> man, I got all this money making property here. How much money you want to lend me? And they're like, Albert, you know, you made $28,000 last year and now you got three mortgages, you know, yeah. your house, you have these other two units, you know, we're not going to be able to lend you any more money. And I was like, man, I'm just getting started. I can't believe <laughs> you're going to deny me. They said, now look, if you, if you sold, you know, one or two of the buildings you already bought, we could probably get you in one of those fourplexes. And it just really wasn't good enough for me. But I did like the idea of maybe selling, you know, one of the buildings. So I went back to the, to, to the ladies and um, I brought my own purchase agreement and I filled it out to buy those two fourplexes <laughs> with a 30-day close. And then I called I have no idea. I had no <laughs> idea, but I just knew that they made sense and I was going to make it happen. And so I called my realtor, the same one who said, yeah, buy those. Now, this only been 90 days at the time, you know, maybe 120 days since I made the other purchase. And I said, Vicky, you got to come and list this duplex and we got to close on it in less than 30 days because I got to <laughs> I got to buy this something else. And she says, "Okay." Now, you know, I had them rented, they were fixed up, they looked pretty nice. She came on, she put a for sale sign in front of the $40,000 one for 93,000 and she closed in 21 days. Wow. And uh, meanwhile, I was really out there looking for f- financing and I found these mortgage brokers in New Orleans that were really working with a lot of aggressive investors down there mm-hmm. and they had a um, they had a finance they had a loan it was a an 80 10 10 for those of you new to financing it was a 80 percent first mortgage it was a 10 percent simultaneous second mortgage and then okay. you had to you had to come up with 10 percent down mm-hmm. the fourplexes by the way see if I get my numbers straight. I want to say they were a hundred and fifty thousand each, some, something around that number. So about a three hundred thousand dollar purchase mm-hmm. for for the eight units. 
And um, yeah, so these guys were totally confident they could get me in if I could come up with the 10%. I said, well, I got my other building for sale and the 93,000 minus my commission, um, that was must have been about say five grand, took it down to 88, paid off the 40, well, I didn't owe 40,000, I only owed 80% of the 40,000, mm-hmm. remember? But then I did have that fix up money I had to pay back. Anyway, I, I came out with around thirty something thousand profit from ten percent of three hundred. Yeah, and I did a ten thirty one exchange. So yeah, it's uh, to avoid paying. Any yeah, sort can of, you explain a little bit about that process? Yeah, so the federal government has a beautiful program. It's a ten thirty one tax free exchange. They call it like a like kind exchange. Uh, essentially, you know, and why should you pay capital gains? You, you're really just trading one property for the others, and, and you don't take possession of, of the money that you're getting from the gain on the sale. It goes into an escrow account, so you never touch it, and then they take it from the escrow account, and they you use it to purchase your next property. So you're just, you're just rolling it up into a bigger investment. And you pay no capital gains taxes on it. You usually have to pay an attorney. Back then, it was about a thousand bucks, you know, for the legal work that was involved in, in doing a 1031 exchange. But I didn't have to pay any gains on the sale. I was just able to roll that all in on the 10% down. Okay, now, so here we got 10% down. I'm still going to owe 270000 on these buildings, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I needed a little bit of fix up money again. It's so long ago now, uh, but I was just using just the little bit drips and drabs that I had to, to, to fix them up. So I did the same thing with the four plexes. Mm-hmm. It's just a sugar coat, you know. Yeah. Uh, I just painted them and just cleaned up the yard a little bit. And uh, I think the, the old lady I bought them from, maybe she was renting them for 400 again, per unit. That was for a two-bedroom, one-bath in the day, like a little townhouse. And I was able to get six hundred, you know, mm-hmm. per per unit form. And now, now this I know you can't do as rapidly as you could do it in you know in the early two thousands. And the mortgage brokers taught me the trick. They said, "Okay, Albert, fix them up a little bit, rent them for more money, and then we're going to get the property reappraised." And so what you would do is there was no time limit on how fast mm-hmm. you could do that. So I would go in, I would rehab the property. Get them rented with higher tenants, and then get a new appraisal. You know, based on the new income, and then we would do a cash, cash out refinance. So you can still do that without any limit. But here's the kick: because I, I did that with my first duplexes. We bought them with investor money, fixed them up, had them reappraised, and did a cash out refinance to pay back the investors. But I, I had to get a commercial loan. So it's a it's a twenty. 20-year AM with a five-year balloon. If I were to go the agency loan route, the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, 30-year fix, then I would have had to wait like six months. Okay. Well, that's still not bad. Wait six months. I I thought it was a year. Uh, I want to say it was six months. There was no time constraints. So, you know, that trick from the mortgage brokers, you see, these guys make the fees when they loan you the money first time and then they're coming back three months later and, and doing a cash out refi and you're getting an appraisal again. And right. So they were happy. They, mm-hmm. you know, they're loaning me money twice in, in three months. But hey, that tip was genius. Yeah. 
So I was able to convert the two units, that first duplex I bought, for eight more. You know, I turned mm-hmm. two into eight, and then I still had the original. So I had ten units in, you know, six months. Of, yeah. of, it was my, that was my lifetime goal, and <laughs> six months later, I already had ten units. But, but here, let me tell you, this was the game changer. I'm in the closing of that duplex, and the, the lady who... Um, was buying it from me, you know, she just didn't seem like a real estate investor, like my picture, you know, I guess I'm judging her in some way, but I was really just curious, why was this woman buying this? And so I waited till the, I had my check, you know, well, actually I didn't get a check, you know, went into escrow, but I waited till the closing was over and I said, hey, I don't mean this in any slight way, but why, why, why are you buying this? She goes, oh, well, I read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, she yeah. was a school teacher. And, <laughs> and whatever it made sense to her, and she says, yeah, I figured I, I needed to buy this property. Now, I hadn't heard of the book at the time. Uh, That's where it all started for me. I, yeah, I don't know what it, when it was written. I mean, it, it was probably pretty new then. Yeah, I want to say it was written in the 90s. Okay. I left the closing, drove straight to the bookstore, bought the book, and read it that night. It blew your mind. Well, it was just like, bing, you know, the light went off. Because I came from a family, like my dad and my grandpa, they paid cash for everything. They would save up. They didn't buy a car until they could go put the cash down on it. And you do become infused with the money mindset of your parents. And and your grandparents and how you were raised. And I really was uh, averse to debt. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I had to admit to myself... I'm 36 years old at the time, and even though I'd really been in business a, a long time at that point, you know, 16 years or so, I wasn't really making any progress. And so I felt like, okay, if this all goes down, you know, this ship goes down, am I really any worse off than just barely keeping my head above <laughs> water anyway? Yeah. And then the 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 distinction that uh, Robert Kiyosaki made in there about you know, borrowing money on a cash-producing uh, investment is not debt, really. And that was, I guess, the permission to say, hey, man, I'm going to start swinging for the fences here. And uh, I, so I just looked at borrowing money in a completely different way, and I did not care how big that number was. I was really ready to borrow as much as people would lend me. Uh, hey, now, just to throw a little historical fact in here, you know, I'm talking about these rents, you know, renting a two-bedroom for two, 400 or 600 I do want to say that the interest rates at the time were 9%. That was, oh, wow. That's what a 30-year fixed on an investment property was, was, you know, 9% usually. Oh, wow. So, you know. They're sub four now, huh? Yeah, it's just that it's money. There's plenty of money now. Yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was, because I, I was like you, I went to school for finance, and I, you know, my parents lived the Dave Ramsey life, and their house was paid off as soon as they could, and worked for corporate America, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and then I remember when I, I read that book, I, I, I was in the habit of reading every morning before I went to work. I'd wake up at five, and I'd, I'd exercise, and then I'd read for 30 minutes, and or an hour, and then I'd go to work. I didn't go to work that day. I sat there and read that book cover <laughs> yeah. to cover. Yeah, that was a good investment for <laughs> yeah. that. For that, that worked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that really worked out well. So keep going. Where? Um, 
Well, you know, after I read Rich Dad Poor Dad that, that night, you know, you know, I had already achieved my goal. Remember the ten units, but this it, it just really unleashed me. I, I became a maniac. Yeah. You know, uh, one was I had this method of you know if I could scrape together the whatever money. Uh, I knew I could just increase the value of a property and do a cash out refinance. Essentially, I was just using that same seed money over and over and over. Yeah, again. so they call that uh, the the guys that that have probably the most popular real estate investing podcast out there today. Yeah. It's Bigger Pockets, okay. and they they coin the phrase that they call it the Burr method: buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And it's yeah. basically just using that same money and recycling it over and over again. That's all I did. And, you know, now the, the important thing was I needed that first batch of real money to get yeah. going. But I was able, you know, to bring a lot of utility to that chunk of, of, of money. And so I really would just, I just looked for real estate all the time. Now, it wasn't like I was buying, you know, something once a month. Really, I would only buy something maybe once a year. Yeah. But but I would spend the year looking and calling. And uh, I told somebody this recently. I, I very rarely bought uh, anything that was listed. Uh, so so when I had those two fourplexes, it's on a street in Baton Rouge called Rittner Street. And it's just it's this little street. It was built as World War II housing. Uh, it was a little row of cute, you know, stucco and wood duplexes mainly and there was a few threeplexes sprinkled in there and then I had the only two fourplexes on the street but I really liked the street uh, I had this vision that they would all could all be painted in pastel colors and and I saw a line of palm trees you know running down I, I kind of had in my mind I'm gonna buy every one on the street and make make this look like something in Hollywood you know <laughs> California or Florida and so what I did is I went down to the courthouse and um, I just manually copied down all the names of the owners for every lot number. And then um, I would just try to find these people, try to find a number, or whenever I saw a for rent sign, I would match the, the, the number on the rent sign to the, you know, the address. And I, I basically was creating my own little database of owners on that street. And I would call them, and I, you know, I got a lot of just like any kind of. And I'm not a big cold caller. I don't yeah. enjoy that. But I was. I don't so, know anybody that does. But I was. <laughs> I wanted this stuff so bad. I was. I was willing to do it. And I would just um, call, you know, call these people, and you know, give them a little pitch about just being this young guy trying to invest money for my family. And a lot of people, oh no, we'll never sell, you know, and they just <laughs> hang up on me. And some people would say, no, you know. Uh, uh, my sister and I own this together, and no, this, you know it does pretty well for us, and, and, and no, we're not going to sell it. But some of these people I, I got to know a little bit because I would call them every six months if they told me no or no, I'm yeah. not interested right now. Situations change. I would just call them, you know, and just say, hey, it's Albert. I'm just checking in with you, make sure you see everything's okay. And, um, well, I'll tell you the, the next one I, I bought was... I, you know, I'm doing this process. Like I said, getting some no's, getting some that's uh, doing pretty good for me. Uh, got in a lot of conversations with some 
kind of older real estate guys who were just intrigued by, you know, a young Turk, you know, yeah. getting into it and they might have helpful wisdom or whatever and, and, and kind of became friends with some of these people from, I, from these phone very calls. much done the same. Yeah. I've, I've made friends with, with quite a few much older real estate investors from just from the standpoint of, hey, you know, share your wisdom with me. And in the process, we've become friends. And, and on a side note, you know, some of them have, have you know, the 1031 we were talking about earlier. Yeah. They've been 1031 in their whole life, and now they're ready to retire. And rather than take that whole hit all at once, they're seller financing me their properties. Nice. So it works out, you know, well for both of us. I, I did have some older guys tell me, they said, um, you know, Albert, you never really own property. You're just a custodian. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's a young man's game, and uh, we all eventually become don't wanters. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, yeah, you're not going to keep it forever. So, every piece of property is going to change hands. That's a fact. Yeah. Right? It's going to change hands. But, um, I, I did happen to, you know, it's just like, it's, it's just like anything, it's um, hit, hit or miss. But uh, I got this one guy on the phone, it was one of the three plexes, and he said, Yeah, you know. He says, I really would consider selling it. I got into this, um, you know, just to try, try it out. And I bought it six years ago. And, you know, the truth of it is I'm just not a landlord type. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, how much do you want for it? Oh, I don't even know, he says. And I'm like, oh, God. You know, you, <laughs> you'd rather get a number right off the bat. He says, why don't you just make me an offer? So I go home and I, I had a little... Uh, rule of thumb mm-hmm. that I use. I, I would take the amount of rent that was coming in, and I would multiply it times a hundred, mm-hmm. and that would, in my 1% mind, rule that would be, be like a, a break even. In yeah. other words, to me, that was a, a a number that really wouldn't produce hardly anything uh, if it did cash flow. But yeah. at least if it was under that number. I could think about it. Sure. And if it was over that number, I ignored it. Mm. So I would always ask, how much are you renting the units for? And just see what the, what the income was. Here's another little tidbit. I also realized that what a person rents their units for is what they really believe the value of the property is. Mm-hmm. So if, if they're under-renting it, in their mind, it's not that great of a of a piece of property. If it were, if the rents are high, they are really personally valuing that property. Mm-hmm. So they're almost telegraphing to you, like you might see what's possible, but they're telling you what they think about it right now. Right. So the guy tells me what it's worth, uh, what what he was running it for. In my mind, I was really willing to pay up to. Around 160 grand for that for that uh, threeplex. Mm-hmm. So I told him 120. Oh no no no! So that's 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 too low. And I was like, oh god, I was a little deflated. I was hoping he was just going to say, okay. I said, well, you know, well, how much too low? He goes, I don't know. Let me go look at my numbers and what I paid for it, and I'll get back with you. I'm chomping at the bit, you know, for the next couple of days. But three days later, we have another conversation. He goes, he goes, I could sell it for one twenty-seven. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, uh, nice. 
I, I literally, once again, got in my car, drove straight to his house that minute with my little do it, you know, self filled out purchase agreement. And the guy signed the purchase agreement. Uh, I bought that three flex for $127. Wow. It already had central heating and air. I really didn't even have to spend a dollar on that when I was able to. To um, I think the units were running for maybe six hundred a piece. So oh wow, uh, so I had eighteen hundred more you know rent coming in and uh, and so going back to the hundred times rent. Mm-hmm. So what I figured before you know if I paid for uh, let's just make the numbers simple if I had paid a hundred and twenty thousand for that. Uh, and but it's getting eighteen hundred dollars a month rent. And so if you did um, that's one point five. Yeah, basically I said the difference between that break even price, uh, which would have been if I was getting twelve hundred a rent mm-hmm. and the eighteen hundred, that's what I figured was my free cash flow. Mm-hmm. So that's six hundred a month, um, you know, two hundred per door. And and really my criteria back then was could I make a hundred or two hundred dollars a month per door. That's that was what I was shooting for. Mm-hmm. So you know that was a that was a nice hit. Yeah. Now in that math, are you factoring in like maintenance and capex and stuff like that? Or are you just strictly looking at principal, interest, insurance, and taxes? Just just that. You know, I wasn't sophisticated enough, and I also was a little delusional that <laughs> the, these things would never have to be painted again once I painted them. You know, I thought, oh, I'm going to paint this thing and it's going to look beautiful for 10 or 15 years, you know, yeah. and, and nothing's going to go wrong here. Either, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it may be a good delusion because yeah. I, 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 I never talked myself out of it. Right. No, hey, I hear you. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they're interested? So you can look up my website is uh, manup.net, and that'll take you to my story. And at the bottom, there's a little secret button that says Man Camp, and that's what we call the three-day retreats. And you can uh, scroll down all the way to the bottom, and if you find Man Camp, you click on that, it'll take you to a little secret web page where some guys are talking about why they came and, and what, what happened for them. And uh, it's just like a really still at the beginning stages of a growing movement but uh so far everybody loves it awesome well albert thank you so much for joining us today i learned a ton and i really enjoyed your story and i know that all of our listeners will too thanks for tuning in to the rent roll radio show brought to you by crestworth capital we hope you enjoyed the show and if you did please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at CrestworthCapital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.